This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Hi, in Jackson we got a little rain, everything's nice and bright, and I took the leaf blower to the yard yesterday so it's nice and sparkly and bright. So that's what I've been doing, been gardening this whole week, it's half killed me, my hands can barely pick up a shovel anymore. But we're going to talk about it today. If you've got anything on your mind, you've tuned into the Gestalt Gardener. It's a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and I'm your host, Horticulturist Felder Rushing, my awesome producer, Java Chapman. And we're going to be just yakking with you. You got something on your mind? Something not working really well? Need a shortcut? Heard something weird and want to run it by somebody who, uh, not that great a gardener, but a pretty darn educated and experienced and observant horticulturist? Anyway, we're just going to yak about it. Sit back and we're going to get dirty. Okie dokie, folks. Horticulturist fell to rushing and we're going to be talking about gardening for the next little while. I mean, just mostly just gardening, garden related stuff. I got a really, really cheesy tune lined up for the next 30 minutes, uh, which I always do just kind of shake stuff up a little bit, but it's timely. It's topical. It has to do with trees and fields and strawberries, but it also celebrates Cinco de Mayo. Well, it doesn't say it celebrates a culture of single de Mayo. Got a lot of interesting things to share, but this is all about y'all. And we're going to start out in Boonville. Kay, how are you this morning? Very well. How are you? So far, so good. We got a good rain last night. How about you? Well, it's kind of drizzling this morning. We didn't get much of a rain during oh. the night, but it's raining, you know. Yeah. It's a slow, gentle rain. Yeah, which is nice. It's nice, yeah. So what you got? Okay. I, I tried to start some tomatoes this year by, from seed. Uh-huh. And it looked pretty good for a while, and now they're the puniest things you've ever seen. And I kept them under a, a grow light on the days that um, that it was not sunny. They were growing in a window. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe I didn't keep them warm enough because I put them in a room that I don't really, you know, use. And right. so I didn't turn the heat on in, in the, that room. So. Right. What else did I do wrong? Well, it's not so much what you did wrong, um, but you, we have to look at things from, a, you know, plants don't really care what we think. You know, they, they have certain needs, and that's just what they need because they're powered by environmental stuff. They need real sunshine. They need warmth. They need humidity, and they need moisture, you know, just to get growing. And when, you, when people start them indoors, first of all, even if you have it in a window, you know, that's only part of the day sun, and it's not real sun. Glass actually filters out certain wavelengths of light. So the, the temperatures, the humidity, which is low indoors, the lack of light, that's going to make plants either slow to sprout, they're going to get laid, they're going to spindly, they rot off at the at the soil line. There's You know, there's, there's lots of things that just not – it's like growing things in a spaceship. You've got to make them think they're back home. So um, I was just, th- you know, there's no telling what combination of those things you're, you know, yours happen to go yeah. through. Yeah. So uh, the good news is we have until August the seventh to plant tomatoes and still get a good crop before fall. 
So, so we got plenty. Of, I just started some okra seed this week, just this week. You know, a lot of people have okra already up, but, you know, they put okra out in the ground, and it some of them sprout, some of them don't. Some take a week, a week and a half. I, I pre-sprouted mine with uh, soaking them in a little Clorox for five minutes, rinsed them off, and in a day and a half they were sprouted. So I just go out and just put them exactly where I want them. So you got plenty of time to start new plants. Okay, I will do that then. Because it will be easier to start them outdoors than it will be, like you said, in a room with artificial light. It, it, it is. It is. And, and if you we could do this, you know, it's warmer out there. They'll come up real, real quick. So what I would do is I would put the seeds in little pots or potting soil. you're going to do with it? And then when you first wet them down, you know, when you first, you know, put them on some moist potting soil and barely cover them up, put you some, some food wrap over it. Uh, just to kind of oh. make it like a miniature green. Now, don't put it out in the sun because that will overheat it. But if you'll just put them like on a porch in the shade uh, and then cover it with, you know, saran wrap type stuff, uh-huh. then the humidity and the warmth will get the seeds to sprout. And as soon as they sprout, you can get rid of the saran wrap, move them out in some sunshine, and they'll do great. They'll, th- they'll think they're back home. All right. I'm going to do that. <laughs> okay. No, don't don't get it. It ain't what you did wrong. It just, you know, got to think like a plant. And, you know, a lot of – I have a hard time thinking about tying my shoes sometimes. Let's let's think like a tomato. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Don't have give a up. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, I don't know if this is – Coincidentally, not, but that was Kay from Boonville, and it looks like we have Stephen from Boonville. Bo- is this uh, MPB Day at Boonville, Stephen? Well, it may be the start of one anyway. <laughs> yeah, what you got going on? Oh, well, uh, a lot of frustration. I've lived on this piece of land for 18 years now, uh-huh. and this is the first place I have not been able to grow a decent vegetable garden. Huh. And I'm being I'm being hinted to that they think it's because I'm surrounded by a lot of pine forest, which yeah. is true, but it gets plenty of, of sunlight, the soil is loose, but nothing wants to grow but weeds. Huh. I don't know what, what I can do to I, I've just tried to grow cucumbers, tomatoes, ordinary stuff, but nothing wants to grow in this land and I don't know what's going on. Well I don't either. Did you just get started is this a brand new garden? Well, I've I've worked it for really a total of four years now, uh-huh. and the first few years I I caught right off the bat of problem with predators with uh, rabbits and deer they were devouring it. But I've put fencing around it, the netting and stuff. But stuff will try to come up and it won't get more than two or three inches high and just wither away. It gets plenty, I, yeah, plenty of water when it needs it, sunlight. I, I time it to where it gets morning sun and afternoon shade for, okay. for a lot of the stuff. And is this is this across several different kinds of vegetables? Uh, I would say mainly trying to do squash, tomatoes, and cucumbers yeah, more yeah, than anything yeah. else. Well, I, I, what I'm trying to do is trying to look for common you know common threads. If you have different, yeah. completely unrelated things like tomatoes and you know cucumbers, squash, beans, things like that that aren't doing it, then it's most likely going to be a soil issue. You know, because that's the that's only thing they all have in common. They're telling me that pine trees suck a lot of the nutrients nah, out of the ground, nah, and I'm nah. surrounded by a forest. Ah, that's not oh, true. I'm that's true. When, when you when you till I'm it glad. up, when you till it up, there go the roots. You know, ain't got any roots in there. But now, okay. now a lot a lot of times where where pines grow is naturally acidic. You know, very acidic, okay. and that may be a, an issue, um, and it certainly affect things. One thing you can do, and and I, I'm I'm almost hesitant to recommend this because it's frustrating when people do it, but take a sample of your soil to the county extension office and have it tested. 
you know, have them send it off. And what you do is you go around the garden and take little small scoops here and there, and you mix them together really, really good. Take a pint of that mixture down there. Uh, the, the, when I, and, and that'll pinpoint nutrient deficiencies, too much, too, too much nutrients, whether the soil is acidic or not, if you need to add lime, how much, that kind of stuff. And the reason I'm hesitating to recommend this is because the computer spits out recommendations on what you ought to do based on those and a lot of times the computer spits out agriculture stuff not garden friendly stuff you know they'll recommend ammonium nitrate which is like cocaine in a garden see so <laughs> so the the main thing is have your soil tested and let's look for 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 four things the the ph whether it's acidic or not how much lime they recommend that would be an easy one to figure out and it's important uh, and we actually have some quick acting stuff like this stuff called basic slag if you need a lot of lime basic slag will work the first year lime lasts for three or four or five years so you know in other words have it tested and then let's take it from there and see if you have really no nutrients or really high nutrients you know sometimes over fertilizing uh some of those nutrients interfere with the plant's ability to uptake others so too much fertilizer may be worse than not enough but anyway let's see if the soil is, is acidic and uh and and you know and try different kind of vegetables side by side instead of like a farmer mix stuff up like a flower bed let's see what works but I'll, no I'll no, the, no the, the the pine trees ain't taking anything they're, they're not taking anything away from you if you tilled it up it ain't got any roots in your garden so much for saying that. <laughs> All righty. Well, and, and also, uh, feel free to email me. Go to felderrushing.blog. It has a little thing that says email me, and we'll, we'll figure it out. I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. You can always grow stuff in five-gallon buckets. I'm just saying. Oh, I've been trying. I've been using the uh, the blue plastic 55-gallon barrels. I cut them in half. Yeah. They do fair, fair in there. I mean, not, not as much as I want, Re- but... But because uh, they're limited, because the roots don't go all that deep. But I've well, got a little yeah. more there. But the ground itself, and I tried to, I tried to supplement the ground in the garden with with leaf mulch, and it still doesn't make any difference. Yeah, well, there's something else going there. But uh, 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 as far as 55 gallon things, fill the bottom uh, a few inches with bark or or sticks or logs or plastic or styrofoam peanuts or turn some pots of stuff. You don't need that much dirt. Plants only going to need a, a foot 18. 15, 18 inches max. All righty. Now let's slide down to Mobile, Alabama. Jesse, what's going on? Hey, how's your day going? So far, so good. I mean, well, I've been... We got, I've been rain, st- we got the rain and thunderstorms you guys had earlier. Yeah, it was a good one. It was good Sliding one. this way. Yeah. I sent you an email with photographs of the lawn. This is the first year where the grass did not come back. It literally has died as opposed to I'm green, I'm fading to brown, waiting for spring to come back to green. So it literally looks like someone spread out spaghetti yeah. all the way down to the root, which I've never seen before. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out, is that something going on that well, we haven't heard about? I, I, I don't know. I mean, from the I can't tell anything from a picture. I, I've been working with, with lawns and turf management since I studied at Mississippi State. 40-something years ago, I, and I, I can't tell anything from a picture. Uh, the only thing, you know, because it sounds kind of – it doesn't fit the, neatly into what I would normally predict. Uh, you know, get in, get in touch with the county extension office. Have them send someone out and take a look at it. That's, that's their job. You know, and, you know, I mean, most of the time we can say, yeah, yeah, yes, this or that or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's so many possibilities, and I'm just not the type to guess. 
So, you know, I, mean, right. and I, I, I wish I could say more, but, you know, I'm going to be honest about it. I ain't going to make anything up. All I know is if you mow high and fertilize light every three or four years, that's about all a law needs. But then you start running diseases. You start running mole crickets and, you know, all sorts of possibilities. I, and I, I, I can't guess. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Both of us kind of shrugging or slumping our shoulders right now, but, you know, I'm with you. Felder, I appreciate that, man, because some people would have looked at the pictures and, you know, shot out some kind of recommendation and could have been totally wrong. But oh, you, yeah. <laughs> Java. shot it straight. Yeah, there was a, a, a picture that came up on uh, uh, Mississippi Gardening Facebook, Java. And, I mean, when I first looked at it, I said, oh, that's really cool mistletoe. I looked at it real close, and it was not mistletoe. It was a berries of a tree called Chinese pistache. You know, and you look at it, it's berries. Mistletoe has leaves, and it has berries, but it's mostly. Anyway, everybody said, that's mistletoe. And I said, no, it's Chinese pistache flowers. Somebody else said, that's mistletoe. No, it's Chinese pistache. I must have done that 18 times, Chinese pistache, because it looked like mistletoe at first glance. So anyway. How you doing, Java? I'm doing fine, man. I'm I'm about to ask how are you doing because we're rocking and rolling this morning. We are. The Bailey Avenue Garden Club in Jackson is the, the venerable Bailey Avenue Garden Club is having their annual plant sale Saturday. I can't remember the name of the church. I'm looking it up. I got the email here someplace. Uh, but I will tell you, it's on Forest Avenue, which is uh, right by, by Lake Heiko. It's 820 Forest Avenue, uh, corner of Forest Avenue and Watkins Drive. Uh, I'll find the the, the name of the church. Anyway, I've been there before. They're fun. They have cool plants. So anyway, a lot of fun. Uh, last weekend, the Minel Garden plant sale went terrific. I went over to Meridian and met with a group called the Southern Gardeners Facebook. And let me tell you, it was just like those that, that bar out of Star Wars. It was every kind of plant, every kind of person you can imagine. And we had a blast. All righty, folks. Horticulture's fellow Russian. Java, man, you are a whiz. I said 820 Bailey Avenue, and you came up with Holy Family wait Catholic a, Church. Oh, wait. You said 824 Avenue, right? Yeah. Okay, not Bailey Avenue. Okay, yeah, eight eight twenty Forest Avenue. It's the Bailey Avenue Garden Club. Yeah, and eight twenty Forest Avenue is a Holy Family Catholic Church. Yeah, yep. and that's going to be tomorrow Saturday morning. Uh, also, next week, uh, next Saturday, I'm giving a talk at the, to the at the Native Plant Society Mississippi Native Plant Society uh, meeting. Uh, they have it every year. It's an educational thing, and it's uh, a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon type of thing. You know, some people are going to be out doing other stuff all day on Saturday. If your hardcore native plant, you already know about this, but I'm giving a talk at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, which is kind of weird. Everybody's already settled in. Uh, but if if you're interested in, in how native plants can be used effectively in a normal landscape, not wildflowers, not native plants, but just good, solid, dependable garden plants, like I see all over the world, our plants used in, in England and the Netherlands and Japan and all over the place where they use our plants as just really good garden plants uh, and their benefits and things like that, it's going to be fun. I even have a native bottle tree I'm working on. Java, I mean, you know, native. Think about this: what, what, what liquids are bottled in Mississippi? I can use their bottles. Can you name any that are bottled in Mississippi? Hmm. Now that's a that's a good one. Um, Coca Cola. Coca Cola. You know, this this might be the question nobody asked. 
Cathead Vodka. Uh, yeah, that that would be a good one. Barks Root Beer. Barks Root Beer is yeah, bottled here. Yeah, down down in Biloxi, Mississippi. Okay. Barks Root Beer, and get this: Phillips Milk of Magnesia is bottled in Pascagoula, Mississippi. <laughs> well, now there. They have a plant down there, Java, that keeps a million and a half people a day working. Bless them. Think think, <laughs> think about it. Milk of Magnesia, keeping them working. We have phone calls. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's go up to Memphis talk to Marianne. Marianne, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing fine. How are you? So far, so good. What's up? So I have an old dogwood, and I am home for the summer, and I was looking out at all the things going wrong with my yard. Now, I know how to deal with the azaleas and everything, but mm-hmm. the dogwood is just like half dead, yeah. and I think it's crown gall disease. And I don't know what to do about it. Well, it could be crown gall, but it could just be dogwood. You know, Southern, <laughs> I mean, seriously, Southern Living uh, Magazine says that of every of, of all the dogwoods planted in any given year, two out of three are going to be dead within four years. They have a, they're, um, they're real popular, and when we see them, they're gorgeous, but what you don't see is the ones that didn't make it. Uh, here's the deal. Dogwoods have a funny kind of root system. Uh, they grow naturally in the woods on a slope. You never see them along a fence row in the full sun naturally. The seeds sprout, but the trees don't grow there. And if they stay really dry, they have shallow roots, they get root damage. If they stay really wet, they get root damage. And we have those back-to-back here. But there's one other thing. This is really bizarre. There's this stuff in dirt called mycorrhizae. I'm, I'm not making this up. And I, I, matter of fact, I resent stuff like this. But mycorrhizae is like a fungus, and it grows on the ends of roots of plants, and it helps them work better. Dogwoods must have mycorrhizae, and it doesn't come in pots from potting soil. You have to go find a dogwood and dig up some real dogwood dirt. Mix in. You've got to inoculate the roots with the stuff that they need to grow naturally. And what happens is they'll get up really good size, uh, and and then all of a sudden they just start dying of branches because they don't have good roots because they can't take too wet, they can't take too dry, they can't take heavy soils. Uh, and, and a lot of times it's because they don't have good roots. And this is normal is what I'm saying, so don't feel bad about it. Uh, what I would do is cut out the dead stuff and uh, accept the fact that you're going to have a – kind of a bonsai-looking tree out there, and it may live for years. It just won't be a pretty dog. We only see the pretty ones. I see the ones that aren't pretty, and believe me, there's lots of them out there. So Okay, so I've lived in this house for over 10 years, and it has been it was a well-established tree when mm-hmm. I moved in. Yeah. And it started failing about two years ago, mm-hmm. and I cut off one branch, and from that branch where the bark has slipped away, mm-hmm. uh, you can see the the borrowing channels of yeah. the beetles, I think. Yeah, yeah. So does that help at all? Well, yeah, it's sort of beetles are, are, are advent, uh, what's the word, Adventish, adventure, uh, opportunistic. Uh, a lot of times, beetles are always hitting pine trees, dogwoods, uh, fig trees. They're always hitting these things, but a healthy tree pushes them back out. So usually when you see beetle damage, it's because the trees are weak already. They're okay. sort of like a secondary thing, but then they can really aggravate things quickly. They can accelerate things. So in general, it could be crown gall. It could be root, several different root diseases, uh, but in general – 
I'm going to say a lot of it because we got really, really dry for a couple of years. We got really, really wet for a couple of years, and these mess with dogwood roots. Dogwood is a handful of okay. other plants. Japanese hollies are notorious about this. Uh, you know, same thing. Could be a disease. The boars might aggravate it. But in general, bottom line is what can you do? There's no treatment for any of this stuff. You know, so all you can mm-hmm. do is prune out the dead stuff. And if we have a really long dry spell, give the tree a good soaking at least, I'm going to say every three or four weeks. No more than that. Every three or four weeks. And that, that should be plenty. And, and that's all we can do. Pl- you know, just pluck out the, the, the bad uh, eyebrows and keep on and hope that <laughs> what you end up with is not too funny looking. Do I need to treat the cut sections with no. an insecticide or anything? No, okay. no, no, no. Okay, well, thank you. Hang some wind chimes off on the branches. That'll make you and the tree feel better. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay, good luck on it. All right, thank you. Have a good one. All right, and it's such a shame because Memphis has got so many beautiful dogwoods. They're native all over there, but again, I drive around the older neighborhoods in Memphis, and I see dogwoods that are half dead all the time. But anyway, let's go to. Uh, now I'm not sure, Robbie. It says Cusco, Peru, but where you uh, you call her from? From Cusco, Cusco, Peru. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good, good morning. Howdy. I'm house-sitting for a friend for three months who's in Europe on business. Uh-huh. And before she left, she had a whole bunch of new beds put in yeah. and went to a nursery. And her purchase was so big that the owner of the nursery offered to come and plant all of the plants. Yeah. Well, she bought five dahlia plants, and the woman planted them under a tree in the shade. Yeah, it's not They've that all great. leaned over. Yeah. Yeah. And I told, I told Anna that I would dig them up and put them in the front where they'd get sun. Yeah. Two questions. I know you're a big believer in cutting back to rejuvenate. Should I cut them back when I transplant them? Well, this is... And this... they develop... Go ahead. This is a tough one because, you know, you're dealing with a flowering perennial. You know, if it was a shrub, yeah, or a tree or a vine, definitely cut it back. Uh, but, you know, you, you know the perennials, that, that goes all their, you know, a lot of this year's growth and maybe their flower shoots and all that, too. On the other hand, if you don't prune them back, they're likely to wilt. So what I would do is I would work up the area where you're going to plant them first, get it really ready, water these plants really good a, a day or two ahead of time so they have the most vigor, and then try to move them without dropping all the, without bare rooting them, and try to move them in clumps. And then as soon as you Put them in, water them good one time, and then don't push them with too much water. Dahlias are native to Mexico, and uh, they can take drought a lot more than take too wet. So I, I would try to move okay. a, a nice size. You know, if you try to move a, a, a root ball that's bigger than a basketball, it's going to fall to pieces, you know. So you need to get yeah. as much as you can without it breaking apart. So the first one, you're going to screw up, you know, then learn from that okay. one. Well, we're in fall, about to go into winter, and they developed a mildew on the leaves. That's yeah, milky. Yeah. Should I take the leaves off or just let it go? Uh, you know that's a that's a cosmetic thing, just cosmetic thing. Have, have they been blooming at all this year, even though they're in the shade? Oh, when they were first planted, they were all blooming beautifully. But now they've laid over and they're on the ground. Well, when when is she getting back from Europe? When's she getting back? Um, about the first week of June. Okay, it's going to be almost winter then. They're going to be gone. Just find something else to do. You know, they're, they're at the end of their season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Prop, prop them up, you know, and if something goes wrong, blame it on the nursery person. 
but you know, rather you know, yeah. it is late in the season. You know, this is you know, this is this is they're 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 in the middle or towards the end of their natural growing season. I would just you know, no, no, you know, I forgot all about. I've been to South, forgot all about. You know, you're going into winter, so they're going to be going down yeah. soon anyway. So I wouldn't screw with them. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, fine. Right, thank you, know, you so much. You know, go, go, you know, go to the market. You know, get you a nice little. You know, get, get you a parrot. You know, that's made out of a tire and plants some flowers in it. Do something else. Leave the dowries alone. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and for, you can't get fertilizer here, so I that I have to rule that out and just go with the natural minerals in the soil. Well, they're going to need some stuff. You know, you can use. You know, there will be some natural fertilizer. You know, if you know if you take a trek down to Chile and get some bat guano or something like that, but any kind of manure is a fertilizer. So you know, if you can get some oh, kind well, of manure. Yeah. yeah, they got plenty of that here. That that's fertilizer. Okay. Thank you, Felder. Have a good day. Okay, man. Appreciate your call. Uh huh. Bye bye. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, Java, he's he's calling from South America, and this you know is uh, J- uh, June is December to us, or July. Oh well, Robbie, um, he calls number of shows, and it it has struck everyone as a surprise, like. Are you calling from Peru? I think every yeah. show does that. Yeah, and, it, and it's toll free. <laughs> that is true. And we just—I was just talking with Jay White, another producer. Uh, Peru and Mississippi are on the same time zone, so it's nine thirty. You know, in yeah, the morning. but but it's nine thirty at night for him. No, it's not. Oh, no, you're right. Time zone. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the the the, the seasons. Oh, the seasons. Yeah. yeah, the seasons are flipped, but it's yeah, uh, yeah, it yeah. is nine a.m. over yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> well, woo. Bailey Avenue Garden Club, cool old gals. I shouldn't say old gals, but when I say that, I'm talking about a style. You know, it's not a it's not a a, a gender or age thing. They got style. I got some really cool succulents last time. That's gonna be at the Holy Family Catholic Church on on uh, Forest Avenue in Jackson tomorrow. And again, the Native Plant Society. I'm giving uh, my big talk. I was president of this group, and it's been like 40 years since they invited me to give a talk because. I'm not all native plants, you know. I like my daffodils, and I like my, you know, some other plants that they don't like. But I'm talking about how you can can choose good quality garden plants that have all these benefits and benefit wildlife and all that stuff, like the weather and all. They just have to be native. And the show, I'm going to talk about accessorizing and all that kind of stuff. Seasonal, good, dependable. Whoa, that's a native plant type of native plants next saturday uh that's gonna be on the i don't even know what the date is like the 14th or something we got a new employee here at mpb named uh, abram nanny and having and it's not him but, but there's some kind of computer thing going on we got this worked out yeah we have it worked okay. out man we have it worked out <laughs> you know because if my screen grows i don't know what to do i don't know what there's too many buttons in here and i was told years ago don't touch any buttons felder but anyway we want to welcome abram uh, to the mpb family and welcome y'all for calling and talking about what's on your gardening mind we got any calls in uh not right now not okay. right now We've got the toll toll free numbers wide open we get calls from peru we get calls from uh, from all over Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, and whether the Arkansas. Yes, we we tap all of those uh, 
all of those states. You know, some somebody asked me, John, you know, why don't why you know why don't we do this thing nationwide like to do Prairie Home Companion and stuff like that? And I said because when I started the MPB, I said I do not want it broadcast outside, you know, broadcast outside Mississippi. We get calls from all over the country, but all over this region. But I wanted to stay local because I work with people like me who try to do the nationwide thing, and nobody in Vermont wants to hear somebody from Mississippi talking about <laughs> gardening stuff in California. I don't think so. And uh, so, you know, I just try to keep it local. And as a result, I get to work with people like me all over the country because they're not competing with them. I'm, I'm, I'm like MPB. This is local. This and also, and also, Felda, you are able to speak to a certain type of atmosphere here in Mississippi in the South. And, you know, you're not, uh, I guess I'll say, conflating your brain to think about what what's the soil life in California yeah. or what's the temperature in New York, yeah. you know, if somebody and, wants to call from those areas. You know, and I can do that. I mean, I spend a lot of time lecturing. I've written books about California gardening and Florida gardening and northern gardens. And, you know, I, 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 I live in England part of the year. You know, there's so many things like that. So I can I can help somebody from another place. But we're just trying to keep it local. That's what MPB is all about. Uh, and by the way, the Native Plant Society is having their meeting on Saturday, May the 13th. And I'm going to be there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's free. You know, you have to pay to get into the museum, but it's a cool museum. But the talk is going to be free. And they'll have native plant for sale and, and all that, too. So uh, anyway, I, before we go to this call, I want to give a shout-out to a guy named Dwayne Brinkley. Okay. And Dwayne is from South Mississippi. And I was having a little trouble with my Internet. I switched providers. I went over to Seaspire. And they were having trouble because they ran the house, they ran the, the line up to my house, and then found out I live in a cabin out back. <laughs> and they got to go under the house and up the fence and back across, and it took them all to figure it out. Anyway, uh, Dwayne worked it out. You know, he, he said, it, he said, you're the guy on the radio, aren't you? He listens to MPB, he listens to the Gestalt Gardener. And because of that, I have that, uh, that privilege. Uh-oh. Of being somebody. <laughs> so I want to thank you and MPB for helping me get hooked up with Ceasefire. And also thank Dwayne Brinkley. Appreciate yes, thank that. you, Dwayne. Yeah, we he, need to keep Felder connected. He, he, he was cheerful and he was raised right. <laughs> raised right. So anyway, let's go to Mandeville, Louisiana, and talk with Peg. Hey, Peg, good morning. No, I'm back, Felder. Okay. Um, I'll last week about my sweet peas. Yeah. And in the meantime, so I did the... Uh, Give them, give them a little shot of um, fertilizer, mm-hmm. but they developed this sort of powdery mildew stuff. Oh, so yeah. I went online because I couldn't call you. You weren't there. Uh, it wasn't Friday morning. So I, anyway, I, I put some uh, three parts water to one part milk and sprayed that. But I didn't know if that was a, a good idea or not because it wasn't from you. Well, I, I'm not a know-it-all. I absolutely not a know-it-all. No. I've learned a lot of stuff. I've experienced, and I've explored. When people say do this or do that, and it doesn't make sense, I don't just go online because online has you know stuff that you just can't trust. I dig deep, and I don't you know. And milk does change the pH of the of the leaf surface, and that can help reduce new infections. But here's the deal with 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 diseases: we can't cure leaf diseases. 
uh, fungicides, in, including meal, are preventative, uh, preventive to keep it from spreading to new growth that's not yet diseased. See, so you can spray, not gonna, you know, you can kill an insect with a spray. Disease doesn't go away. We're trying to keep the new stuff from getting disease. That's the way, that's the way those kind of things work. So you're not going to see any results. It, it, you know, just a new growth happens to not have the 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 powder mill. Do you? Right. So if it's on the old, there I have several plants. So if I take off the bad leaves um, and keep those pots away from the other, the ones that have no, the mildew uh, spray. Yeah, the, uh, again, sprays are pretty, it's like putting on a, a sunscreen. You don't wait till you get sunburned. You put on sunscreen to keep, or a raincoat. Once you get wet, doesn't do any good to put a raincoat on. So you, your fungicides are, are to keep it from getting sunburned or soaked in the rain. That's how they work. And, and, and you don't, don't worry about moving these things around. Powder mildew, uh, spores are in thin air. They're everywhere. So, you know, the so main thing is, Try not to keep the plants too wet, you know, keep them healthy, a little fertilizer, which stimulates new growth, and the new growth should come out fine and clean. And, and, and if, it do, if it doesn't, you know, just, you know, sweet peas are going to burn out in Louisiana in a month or so anyway. They don't like summertime in the south. See, so enjoy what you got. You know, don't fuss with them too much. Okay. I just didn't, I've never heard milk but. Spray on on leaves before. So uh, it, sure it, it it has a, a little minor ancillary effect of changing the pH of the surface of the leaf, which can slow down fungicide. But is it a good fungicide? Nope. Does it work? Mm, I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> good well, luck. Good luck on it, Peggy. Thank you. All right. We'll call next week about my sweet peas, promise. Okay, okay. Uh, unless unless you send me a picture of some pretty sweet peas. Send me a picture, and then we'll talk about it. Meanwhile, grow something that likes it in the south. <laughs> okay. Now, let's, going from, from south of the Mississippi state line to Mandeville up to, to just almost to Tennessee to South Haven, Rebecca, calling for South Haven. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? Good, Felder. How are you? Good. What's up? Well, um... I've planted all these plants that attract pollinators, mm-hmm. and I saw this huge bee just hovering success. out there. You got success then. And my buddy says, oh, no, that's a carpenter bee. They're you pollinators. Bee boxes. I've got them all in my attic. They're going to eat up your house. And I'm like, But they're pollinators. Really? They're pollinators. That's what you want. They're native pollinators. But... <laughs> oh. Yeah. But what about the house? Do they damage the house? Here's the deal. Our native bees, uh, I'm not talking about wasps like yellow jackets and hornets, but, but most of the native bees are what we call solitary. They don't make nests with a whole bunch of other bees. They don't, they, they don't get along that well. They drill holes in dead wood and trees and logs and, and, uh, and things like that. A lot of times they're, you know, just about the size of a, of a, of a drinking straw because we have all different kinds of native bees. The, the big carpenter bees are the ones that look like big bumblebees. And by the way, bumblebee, real bumblebees do, do have nests and they'll eat you up. But the solitary ones, the carpenter bees, they dig a hole in wood, and they they go in there, and they lay an egg, and they go out, and they find a spider or something like that, and they stuff it in there, and they cover it up with a little mud. They seal it off with a little mud tube. And over the over the, the summer and the winter, the young one hatches out. It eats the, the insect stuff, and, and next spring, it burrs out. And it repeats the process. So they only live one year. Oh, actually, when they come out, they only live for a few weeks. They burrow a hole, uh, lay their egg, put something in to eat, stuff it, you know, cover it up with a little tube of mud. 
we usually don't see this because they're in trees or in dead limbs or in logs or in wood piles. You can actually put, you can drill holes in a piece of wood and hang it out there and it'll get filled with them. You can actually buy them already full of these bees and hang it out next year. But uh, anyway, bottom line is when carpenter bees bore into wood, they go in and then make a, a 90 degree turn. They go lengthwise to lay their eggs and that can weaken wood. It can cause problems because these are big ones. I'm not talking about the little sweat bee type thing. These are these are you know almost the size of your little finger. So yeah, they're big. But you know, they, if we didn't have houses out there, they'd still be out there. You know, I have a pile of brush. Uh, it's got logs and limbs and all sorts of a pile up, and that's where a lot of mine live. But when they get in my my arbor, I sit on a swing, I look up, and I see these holes in this board that's holding up my swing. It makes me nervous. Uh, and about the only thing you can do is get you some oil and, you know, mix it up, well, just, just oil, and just spray or paint it on the exposed wood, particularly the bottom sides of woods, because the bees aren't going to dig through that. And, and that's it. Hmm. But it, there's no way so to get you didn't say name. You didn't say neem oil. You said oil. N- n- oil. Oil. Like motor oil. Neem is ah. is almost a joke. Neem oil is almost a joke. I, there, I said it. It's almost a joke. Uh, it's used for everything, like, you know, Epsom salts, which is a joke. But popular things, you know, people start saying, well, I do this and I do that. First thing you know, everybody's doing it, and it doesn't work. No, we're talking about regular oil to coat the wood, to soak in a little bit. So when the bee bites into it, they say, nope, I'm moving on. It tastes bad. Well, you know, then I could dig okay. through it. I mean, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't bite through something that had, you know, more oil on it. So anyway, anyway, there's no way to get rid of carpenter bees, but you can prevent damage to, to, to wood, exposed wood, with a little bit of oil. And that's pretty much it. Okay. Thank you very much. But but they are good. They're beneficial insects. I just want to throw that out. They are one of the best pollinators out there. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Well, you know, I, am I on a rant this morning, Java? No, and I mean and, I just feel so factual today. <laughs> well, you know, you're telling it like it is. I love carpenter bees. We have a fence at my parents' house, and it is full of carpenter bees. I, but I, when I made my little cabin, I used a lot of uh, old pecky cypress, you know, repurposed, recycled wood, <clears throat> and uh, I built this little ad on the sunroom. It's a nice little sunroom. I sit there a lot, and uh, one day. Uh, my, my my sweetheart was sitting in there, and she heard this noise. And all of a sudden, she looked at the wall, and a bee came out of a hole in the wall because we had used wood that had carpenter bees nesting it from the year before. <laughs> now, if you don't know, it, it can't seem like, wait a minute, is this yeah. a tunnel? Of, is this a bee tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if it's about gardening, uh, I'm not a know-it-all, and I like to look stuff up. I like to learn stuff. I read books. I, I do a lot of research on things. If somebody says something really, really good, I want to find out why and what about it isn't good. If somebody says something really bad, I want to know, is there something that's okay about it? I'm that kind of guy, and I dig deep to find out the truth instead of just whatever the Internet says. Back, back to Jesse and Raymond. Jesse, are you there? How you doing? Doing fine. What's going on, man? Uh, all right, listen, the question is about cardoons. I yeah. managed to put, get some through the winter, and they look real good. Yeah, but they're big. Blooming they're big. Out. Yeah, I, they're blooming out now, okay? Yeah. So am I going to have to – they're, they're going to die back, right? But can I just cut them back, and they're going to come back? 
They should. I mean, I didn't plant cardoon last year, and I had some that made it through the winter and as big as going to be blooming soon. But so it must have been from year before last. So I think if you just cut it back, it you know it, I, you know, I wouldn't have thought it was an annual, but mine is. This is its second year, so I don't know. It's a big plant, though. I can tell you that it was shading out all my. I cut off some of the lower leaves. It's a beautiful, big, silvery plant and great big purple thistles. Oh yeah, they're great plants. They're great winter plants too. Yeah, terrific. Uh, uh, they, they they do better in the winter than they do in the summer. And one last thing, uh, if they do have like a, a permanent root, like a, I know it's not a tuber. I'm not sure what an artichoke root that structure would be called. But if they do die back and say I want to plant some ornamental corn on top of it, can I dig the root up maybe and store it and plant it? Don't know. The- don't know. Don't you blew way past me on that one. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I just don't know. Don't know. I'll let you know how it turns out. Well, I'm, I, when I get home, I'm going to look it up myself. So we'll we, we go both. Let's talk about it next week. All right. Shoot <laughs> okay. me an email. You got it. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. All righty. And we have a special guest today. You know, tomorrow, this is Cinco de Mayo, but we're going to shift gears and go all the way over to Europe. Actually, not to Europe, to a little England, a little island off the coast of England. It's a it's, it's a big deal though. Got a big deal. It's, it's something <laughs> something only happens every what sixty years or so. I heard I heard a stat that nobody under the age of seventy, I believe, has seen this. What's about to happen? The coronation. There you go. <laughs> well, we got a flower expert with us from England named Susan Rushton. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. You don't really like doing radio, do you? I've been trying for thirteen years to get on this show, <laughs> and, and you and Java wouldn't let me. Oh yeah. Right. Right, right. Other than the fact that you don't like kale. I'm teasing. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Big deal. Uh, you know, the, the, everything about a carnation, Susan, you're, you're English. Ben English, your mama's English, you're, you know, hardcore English. This is a big deal, and everything about it has got some kind of symbolism. What about the flowers? Well, the, the flowers are being done by an expert called Shane Connolly. He's been there a while, hasn't he? He's a... Uh, He's got a royal warrant, which is very prestigious. It's only mm. given to people who share the values mm. of, of the royal family. Oh, so, boy. Now, that's all over the place right now, though. Well, we'll, we'll set that aside. <laughs> keep it keep it simple. <laughs> keep Back it to simple. the flowers. Well, both of them, both Shane and King Charles, mm-hmm. are known for their commitment to sustainability. Yeah, Charles, so, well, he, every, he's, he's always been Mr. Green. He's always. He was mocked for it when he was younger because <laughs> he would talk to his plants and our British press made a meal of that. He's got a big stumpery in his garden he's, and all that. He's got a stumpery, yes, at Highgrove. Um, but Shane is known for using unusual material in, mm-hmm. his, in his compositions, you mm-hmm. might call them. And when William and Catherine got married, he did the flowers there. And he lined the aisle of Westminster Abbey with hornbeam and field maple. So it it was like walking through a woodland. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm so sure they, they weren't As cooked. they walked down the aisle, which is really young, yeah. uh, long, yeah. the young trees were on either side of so it. So these, were, these weren't just cut down. They were good. No, they were, they were, be... they were live trees. And they planted them someplace else. They, plant, they planted them uh, in the uh, National Arboretum somewhere. 
Well, I think you told me that the invitation this guy, the 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 the, the king's thing, has got a green man, which is really ancient and kind of creepy. It is, and that's one of your pet interests, isn't it? I have gr- I have green man carvings all over the place. This predates. I mean, it's before people could read and write. There's a lot of symbols, but the green man, folks, is the is the, the you've seen pictures of men and women who've got vines growing on their mouths and their ears and their noses and stuff. And Charles has got this on his. His 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 invite to the coronation has got a green man on and the bottom. They don't do anything. Y'all don't do anything by accident. No, that's that's to do with the the idea of regrowth. Nobody really knows what the green man was about because it's so old. But the idea is it might have been about regeneration and uh, the natural world, the power of the natural world. So I'm guessing could well be wrong. But I'm guessing that he might have some young oak trees for the service. He might line the the abbey or wherever it is. I don't even know where it is (laughs) being over here. I'll tell you where it is. It's at four in the morning. That's where it is. (laughs) Half past four in the morning, yes. So that's what I'm guessing. He always uses natural flowers. So Mm. the flowers will be being picked. He has special access to all kinds of private gardens. Oh, from all over the country. People people are standing and they're queuing to have their flowers at this guy's. Exactly. Deal. And he always has confidentiality agreements, so people can't say that their flowers were involved oh. often. He does a lot of work for celebrities. Java. And, uh, that's, now, that's something. You are itching to have your flowers in the ceremony, but then you can't tell anybody you can't, but you your can, flowers are in the you ceremony. Can, you can wink and you can smile. When okay. people say, were those your roses or were those your corn beans? You can go, well, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> With the wink in your eye. Exactly. And yeah. so everybody knows that means yes. Yeah, okay. Well, it's, it's, it's a big deal. This is a big deal. People at, at the pub, lady whose dad was from Barbados, you know, yeah, she's she a, was She's going to get up early to watch too, so it, it's a so not quite a once in a lifetime, perhaps, but it's, it's special. Pageantry. People don't realize monarchy don't rule Britannia. They're but they're they're heart of the of the of the Commonwealth. Yeah, they do a lot of representing. Yeah. and work, good work. Well, thank you for joining us. It's going to be a fun 4.30 in the morning seeing whether he's got oak trees. Hey, that oak tree came from my dad's <laughs> place. No, you can't say that. No. Anyway, thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. Java, my pleasure. Been a, man, it's been a crazy one today. It has, and I, and I honestly will say I never thought I would see what I saw today. Susan on the radio. Yeah, she's a easy kale. If you haven't heard of La Sonata, you just ain't listening. <laughs> anyway, folks, we're going to take a break. It's called A Week. Of course, it rebroadcasts on Saturday. Uh, listen to podcasts. Download, go to mpbonline.org and take it from there. Hope to see some of y'all at the, uh, uh, at the Bailey Avenue Garden Club plant sale at the Holy Family Catholic Church in, in uh, Jackson on Forest Avenue. Hope to see a lot of y'all at the Native Plant Society uh, meeting. I'm giving a talk at 2 in the afternoon. You don't have to come for all the stuff, but, you know, if you're interested in native plants but don't want to get all weird, don't want to honk off the neighbors, this is for you. Meanwhile, if you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center farmer's market and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.